Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February the 6th, 2024. It's been 3,662 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 347 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth. Because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. In our assessment, the United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. 2. The actions of Congress have significantly damaged the U.S. global standing as a trusted ally of democratic states and will cause a further increase in kinetic and hybrid warfare activity executed by Russia and its so-called axis of resistance of Belarus, North Korea, Iran and their proxies. 3. We maintain there is a high risk of large-scale Russian missile and drone strikes targeting Ukrainian civilians and civilian infrastructure in the coming day in response to the sinking of a Black Sea Fleet vessel and strikes on Russian oil refineries. 4. We maintain that the operational situation for Ukrainian troops in the Avdivka area of operation has deteriorated significantly. If defensive lines cannot be stabilized, it would be prudent to implement a retrograde operation to the next lines of defense. 5. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdivka salient regardless of the cost. 6. The armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages, particularly air defense missiles and artillery rounds, that are directly impacting the ability to continue active defense operations along the entire line of conflict. 7. In our assessment, Russian forces have not abandoned their operational objective to capture Chasiv Yar, west of Bakhmut. 8. Combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st-century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue for the foreseeable future. 9. Russia's ongoing political purge is accelerating, and the Putin regime is fast-tracking its transition into a fascist state. In the medium and long term, this shift will further endanger global security and stability. 10. We maintain that while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat is not being taken seriously. We begin in Kharkiv Oblast in the Kupiansk area of operation, or AO. Fighting continued in the area of Sinkivka, where Russia launched eight attacks in an attempt to advance south. 
A Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missile used for a ground attack struck the settlement of Zolochev, 35 kilometers northwest of Kharkiv. A three-story hotel was destroyed, with three women hospitalized and a two-month-old boy killed. In the Kremenayo of Luhansk oblast, fighting continued east of Terny, Yampolivka and Torske. There was no change in the situation. In the Lysychanskoyo, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported attacks on Belohorivka, that's the one in Luhansk oblast, were repulsed. In occupied Luhansk oblast, Russian state media agency TASS confirmed that the legitimate Minister of Emergencies for the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, Oleksiy Puteleshenko, and two legitimate municipal deputies of occupied Lysychansk, Artem Trostyansky and Ivan Zhushma, were killed on February 3rd in Lysychansk, when the Adriatic Cafe was attacked. There were also municipal prosecutors and officers with the Ministry of Internal Affairs and some of their family members. When Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov was asked what Puteleshenko was doing at the cafe, he quipped, quote, baking bread. Russia has requested an urgent session of the United Nations Security Council to condemn the attack. For the second time in less than a month, UN Secretary-General Antonio Gutierrez was quick to condemn a Ukrainian strike and called for attacks against civilians to end. Last month, Gutierrez did not issue a similar statement when missile attacks on Kharkiv killed 18 and wounded over 100. Next, let's talk about the Donbass. In northeastern Donetsk oblast in the Siversko, GSAFU reported a Russian attack near Grigorivka was unsuccessful. Located 4 kilometers from the line of conflict and west of Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk oblast, this was likely a sabotage and reconnaissance unit, or DRG, of squad or platoon sites, and not an attempt at a larger attack. In the Bakhmutayo, fighting remains limited. North of the city, fighting was ongoing northwest of Bogdanivka. To the southwest, positional fighting continued east of Ivanivska, with no change in the situation. In the Klishivka Ayo, positional fighting continued northwest of the settlement of Klishivka, with Russian forces unable to restore lost positions. In southwestern Donetsk oblast, the situation remains critical in the Avdivka Ayo, after Russian forces made significant advances on February the 3rd and the 4th. Russian forces attempted to retake their lost positions southeast of Novobakhmutivka without success. The Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, reported fighting in the area of Krasnohorivka. It's another claim from Moscow that geographically doesn't make sense. They could mean in the area of Stepove, where Russian forces continue to struggle to hold positions past the railroad grade. East of the Avdiivka coke plant to the H-20 highway, the situation remains critical for Ukrainian forces, who are counterattacking despite being hampered by ammunition and personnel shortages. Geolocated videos we are not sharing to support operational security or OPSEC and our editorial policy on showing the faces of prisoners of war indicate the fighting is chaotic. Russian and Ukrainian troops are mixed together with no clear line of conflict from south of the Terekon to Old Avdiivka, south of the sewage treatment plant to the sand quarry, to the H-20 highway south of Kamyanka. GSAFU reported 44 combat clashes just in Avdiivka, almost half of all of the attacks launched by Russia. Ukrainian troops did capture Russian forces who became surrounded in one area. 
high winds, clouds, snow and hail worked against Ukrainian drone operators. Major Serhiy Sakhotsky, an officer with the Ukrainian 59th Motorized Brigade assigned to the FDFK AO, told Radio Svoboda that the situation is, quote, very difficult, but not critical, and appealed for OPSEC. In contrast, respected military analyst Rob Lee and Ukrainian source Deep State both said the situation deteriorated in the last 24 hours. In our assessment, the truth likely lies between the two, and the reality of the situation will become more apparent in the next few days. Russian urban warfare tactics appear to have changed compared to previous assaults on Mariupol, Severodonetsk and Bakhmut. On the southern flank, Ukrainian forces reportedly took back control of the Tsarskohota resort on the southern edge of Avdiivka. A geolocated and weather-confirmed video showed a Bradley M2 infantry fighting vehicle with the Ukrainian 47th Motor Infantry Brigade operating on Chernyshevskoho Street, southwest of Tsarskohota. The Bradley hit a mine but continued to fight until it threw a track, suffering a mobility kill. The crew was able to withdraw. Based on the geolocation, we made a small adjustment to the map, moving the line of conflict further northwest. Russian forces continued their intense attacks in the eastern part of Pervomaiske, where house-to-house fighting continued. In the Marienka AO, Russian forces continued their attempts to advance on Krasnohorivka from the southeast without success. Fighting continued northwest and north of Georgievka, with no change in the situation. In the Vuhledar AO, Russian forces attempted to retake their lost positions southeast of Novomikhailivka without success. On the southwestern edge of Solotka, drone operators with the Ukrainian 72nd Mechanized Infantry Brigade destroyed a Russian 2S4 Tulpan 240mm self-propelled mortar, or SPG. In the Staromlinivka AO, a claimed Russian attempt to advance in the direction of Zolotaniva appears to have been nothing more than a Ukrainian defensive position being shelled west of Novodonetska. Armut claimed that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the area of Priyutna. In the Kherson AO, fighting continued in Krynke and the forests to the south, where Russia launched two unsuccessful attacks. After two French humanitarian aid volunteers were killed in Boroslav last week and three more injured, foreign volunteers have been barred from entering areas in the Red Zone in Free Kherson. The French Foreign Ministry summoned the Russian ambassador to France to call him on the carpet. Nope, UN Secretary-General Gutierrez didn't condemn the Russian attack. In occupied Kherson Oblast, a shortage of civilian workers is a growing issue, joining occupied Donetsk and Luhansk Oblasts. As in the other occupied territories, men who have come from Russia to work have been forcibly mobilized. There is a particular shortage of healthcare workers. Doctors have been conscripted as combat medics. Here are the recent developments in northern and northeastern Ukraine. Commander of the Land Forces of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Lieutenant General Sergei Naev, said that in the northern regions Russian DRG activity was increasing and the units were comprised of elite forces. Quote, All these DRGs are from the special services of the Russian Federation, as well as the main directorate of the general staff of the Russian Federation. It should be understood that these are officer groups. They have good training. Their goal is to act only in the border areas. 
and they will try to commit terrorist acts against the civilian population or military personnel. Unquote. In the Sumer Oblast, a civilian was killed and a woman injured with an artillery shell struck their home in the village of Vorozhba. We haven't talked about the Potato Kingdom in a while. The Dark Potato Prince and self-declared dictator of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, issued a decree that modifies the laws for the internal service of the armed forces of Belarus. The change to Article 11 permits military personnel to use firearms against the nation's citizens. In the event of their use, service members will not be liable for any damage, injury or death. Lukashenko wants to be absolutely sure the people love him for life. I have a Russia-Ukraine war update from Sudan. Yes, Africa. The main defense intelligence directorate of the Ministry of Defense of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or UR, released videos showing elite forces fighting against the remnants of private military company Wagner Group in Sudan. Former Wagner mercenaries, now part of the Rosgvardia, were killed and captured, while the Wagnerite interrogated. We shared the video in our daily situation report because the mercenary is not a protected combatant under international law. There's more information on how to get access to the CITREP in the podcast description. Russia continues to support the Rapid Support Force in Sudan, which is engaged in a civil war with government troops. On November the 17th, the RSF was accused of committing acts of genocide in the Darfur region by the UN, and the country has millions on the brink of famine due to the war. The Kremlin took over PMC Wagner's gold and oil interests after the death of leader Evgeny Prigozhin and is using them for money laundering through the United Arab Emirates, which supplies the RSF with Russian weapons. Moscow also plans to build a naval base in Sudan. Why is Ukraine there? Because the Hur has gone full Mossad and is targeting Wagnerites who committed atrocities in Ukraine. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Here is my theater-wide update. The number of attacks by Russian forces increased significantly, with 105 combat clashes reported by Ukraine. In our assessment, Russia will significantly increase pressure theater-wide for political reasons, with sham presidential elections in Russia 35 days away. The spokesperson for the office of the President of Ukraine, Press Secretary Sergei Nikiforov, clarified President Volodymyr Zelensky's statement about the Russia-Ukraine war reaching a stalemate. Quote, the land part of the operations ended in stagnation. We are talking specifically about counteroffensive actions in the South. Unquote. He added that it is not right to describe the current situation as a stalemate. President Zelensky submitted a draft law to the Verkhovna Rada to extend mobilization and martial law for another 90 days through May 14. The measure is expected to pass and will be voted on by February 11. 
Russian propagandists repeatedly claim that the extensions are a declaration of total mobilization, which is false. The Ukrainian constitution gives the president the power to declare martial law for no more than 90 days, requiring a new request to the Rada every three months. Zelensky also said that the, quote, reboot of the governing apparatus of the state has begun with the dismissal of the Minister of Veteran Affairs Yulia Laputina. Laputina submitted her resignation letter to the Rada, which will consider her dismissal on February 7. Ukraine has received 215,000 inquiries about the whereabouts and fate of Russian soldiers through various channels, and in the last 78 days confirmed to their families 11,000 were killed, with their remains still held by Ukraine. It is almost certain among the remaining 204,000 inquiries there are duplicates. One quarter of the remaining number is 54,000, which is still a staggering number of Russian soldiers missing in action. Developers from Skylab Ukraine have created a new drone, the Shulika Mark 6. It has a range of 10 kilometers, a payload of 6 kilograms, and is hardened against electronic warfare. French HPD-2A2 anti-tank mines have been supplied to Ukraine. The mine is Ottawa-compliant and can penetrate up to 150 mm of armor. The Prime Minister of France, Gabriel Attal, said that Paris intends to support Ukraine not only financially, but with various weapon systems. The Netherlands announced that it will deliver another six F-16 multi-role fighter planes to Ukraine, increasing the total commitment to 24. The continued supply of parts and sustainment would require approval from the United States Congress once the materials transferred are exhausted. Hurhad Kirillo Budanov asked Canada to supply Ukraine with up to 80,000 unguided 70mm air-to-surface rockets, which are compatible with the M261 tubed launcher, which has already been modified to work with Soviet and post-Soviet aircraft. Canada is preparing to destroy up to 80,000 of the CRV-7 rockets because they are being decommissioned. Because the rockets are a Canadian design, their transfer would not be subject to US approval. The Norwegian-Finnish company Namo Lapua applied to participate in the European Union ASAP project to increase ammunition production to support Ukraine. The High Representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Josep Borrell, said that the EU's failure to send 1 million artillery shells to Ukraine by March 31st was not due to production issues. Instead, European countries have been exporting artillery rounds to other nations. Borrell called for the immediate support of Ukraine. The EU is expected to deliver another 200,155mm artillery rounds by March 31st, falling well short of the 650,000 promised. A government spokesperson for Greece denied that the country was transferring Soviet-era S-300 air defense missiles to Ukraine or through a three-way deal with the United States. Pavlos Marinakis said, There was no such thing. I categorically deny it. There was not even an intention that Greece would risk the country's defense armament. On Sunday, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson said he would not put forward the Senate Compromise Bill on border and immigration reform and military aid for Ukraine, even if it passes a vote in the Senate. 
On Monday, in a closed-door meeting, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell told Republican senators to vote against the bill, which could still be put on the floor on Wednesday. Former President and current presidential hopeful Donald Trump called for Republicans not to support any measure for Ukraine or border and immigration reform. With further U.S. aid for Ukraine all but dead, President Zelensky said, quote, There are radical voices in the Republican Party, but there are also many people who support Ukraine. It's up to the people of the United States to decide, but if they intend to cut aid to Ukraine, there will be a new geopolitical alignment. Putin will break through our defenses, he will move forward, and he will not stop. Unquote. What's going on in the land of Mobix, mobilization and Mir? This is today's update for Russia. On February the 3rd, President Vlad the Impaler Putin admitted that drones had become a major problem for Russian troops. Quote, I just talked to the general staff in the morning. In one of the areas, of course, the complexity of the situation is connected precisely with unmanned aerial vehicles. This is true almost everywhere. Unfortunately, there is, to put it mildly, something to work on. This is our Achilles heel, one of them. Unquote. One of them? Do tell. What are the other Achilles heels? Come to think of it, didn't Putin just discredit the Russian Federation armed forces? Deputy Prime Minister and head of the Ministry of Industry and Trade Denis Monturov said that Russia would allocate 100 billion rubles over the next three years for the development and production of drones, approximately $1.1 billion. Monturov specified the funds would go to develop and produce hundreds of thousands of first-person view, or FPV, one-way drones and tens of thousands of heavier drones. Last year, many analysts predicted Russia would have a 5 to 1 advantage in drone warfare by the end of 2023. Instead, drone production went in the other direction after reaching parity with Ukraine over the summer. While a significant grassroots effort started in Russia to build cheaper one-way drones, it was inhaled by the Kremlin, with Russian mill bloggers Murs, Romanov Light and others lamenting that production and further development would be crippled by rigid thinking, waste and corruption. Russian propagandists were celebrating a Ukrainian video that showed a Russian soldier using a brand-new anti-drone weapon with outstanding results. The Russian was being chased by a drone when he tripped in a thicket of downed tree branches. Grabbing a stick, he hit the drone, knocking it to the ground. We'll link to the video of the superior high-tech Russian technology in our situation report. Russian Tu-95 strategic bomber pilot Major Alex Tigachev survived an assassination attempt near Engels military airfield, but was severely wounded. Stigachev has been a command pilot for bombing attacks in Syria and Ukraine. In separate incidents, Russia lost a pair of Mi-8 helicopters. The first crash was reported by Russian mailblogger fighter bomber, who claimed the helicopter was on a training mission and crashed in poor weather when the pilots became disoriented. The second Mi-8 crashed in Lake Anega in the Western Russian Republic of Karelia. It's been a while since the Russian Ministry of Defense shared See how great we are at war videos that show that not everything is going to plan. A video of Russian Ka-52 helicopters preparing for combat missions in Ukraine 
revealed that they are still able to fly due to cannibalized pots. A K-52 had two different production codes on it, and the code on the rudder was from a helicopter not previously counted as damaged. Russian soldiers from military unit 41680 complained to their superiors about their commander, accusing him of extortion and beatings. In response, the soldiers were handcuffed to a handrail for over two days and given containers to urinate in. There's a video and we'll link to it. Russian soldiers with the 144th Motor Infantry Brigade said that Russian field hospitals in Kherson are inadequate, with wood pallets for beds and terrible food. They also reported a shortage of medications. An illegitimate Russian court in occupied Crimea arrested Russian Major Alexander Sungurov, a member of the Heroes Z column on the website of the Russian Ministry of Defense. Sungurov is charged with wasting diesel fuel on an especially large scale as part of an organized group and is facing 10 years in prison. The Kremlin has since removed his picture and bio from their website. After increasingly accurate drone strikes deep into Russia, the head of the State Duma Defense Committee, Duma Deputy Andrei Kartapolov, said that there aren't enough air defense systems to protect St. Petersburg. Amazingly, he hasn't been charged with violating the so-called Don't Say War laws. State Duma Deputy Dmitry Kuznetsov proposed creating a Chechen Ahmad Children's Battalion. Quote, Children's Ahmad should not only be about war, but about friendship of peoples and education. Have you forgotten how you played war games as a child, and who are older in the pioneer Zarnitsa war games? Men are made that way. Unquote. Kuznetsov said the program was requested by the commander of the Chechen Ahmad battalion, Apti Alaudinov. Recruitment for the program will start at the end of the 2024 school year and will target Chechen children. You know, I seem to remember another country from the 30s and 40s that had an identical program and ended up sending children to real war. The news isn't done with our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, former little green man, failed Mobik and convicted Russian criminal Igor Strelkov-Girkin. Girkin's lawyer said that the failed Mobik could have a future in a Storm V penal unit. We weren't sure whether to put this in Mobik's mobilization and Mir or Putin's purge. Russia's plunge into fascism continues, as does Putin's purge. Roskomnadzor announced the use of VPNs in Russia would be illegal starting on March 1, and that new tools would be implemented to block the largest providers. The tightening of the Internet starts 12 days before sham presidential elections. The new law doesn't outlaw VPN specifically, but it will make it illegal to access sites blocked by the Kremlin, like our website. Former PMC Wagner commander Anton Yelizarov has disappeared. Yelizarov was allegedly detained for interrogation due to his continued contact with the Rosguardia and former Wagner mercenaries, raising suspicion that the Russian National Guard, which reports directly to Putin, played a larger role in the June 2023 Prigozhin insurrection. Russian politician Yulia Galamina announced she was ending all public activities due to threats. Quote, I have been in politics for a long time, and I understand that this is not just an absurd accusation of incomprehensible anonymous people. This is a warning. Unquote. 
Books written by author Lyudmila Ulitskaya have been pulled in Russia after she said that royalties from her book sales go to Ukraine. Her publisher, IST, has suspended sales until, quote, the situation is clarified. A 24-year-old woman in Nizhny Novgorod was arrested and held in jail for five days for wearing earrings of a frog with seven colors. Officials said they were interested in talking to her about a friend she met at a cafe wearing a blue and yellow badge. When police saw a video, a criminal complaint was filed for showing LGBT extremist symbols. In Moscow, a 76-year-old was detained for wearing a jacket that said Russia without Putin. The main directorate of the Ministry of Internal Affairs of the Russian Federation later charged her with displaying paraphernalia of symbols of extremist organizations. Finally, here is what's happening in geopolitics. The Hungarian parliament did not vote on Sweden's accession to the NATO alliance after the Fidesz party, led by Prime Minister Viktor Orban, refused to attend the special session. Another vote is reportedly planned when parliament returns on February 15. News organizations The Insider and Der Spiegel identified assistant to the German Bundestag delegate Evgeny Schmidt, Vladimir Sergeyenko, as compromised by Russia and provided evidence that he works with the FSB. On Monday, Sergeyenko resigned from his position. The Prime Minister of Finland, Petteri Orpo, said that the border crossings with Russia will remain closed due to the security situation and thousands of undocumented migrants staged along the border. The border was scheduled to reopen on February 11. On Friday, representatives from Latvia, Lithuania and Estonia met with Speaker of the House Johnson to appeal for continued support for Ukraine. Speaker of the Latvian Seima, Daiga Merinja, said, quote, Ukraine is fighting for us to have a peaceful life, for our children to go to school and study there, for us to go to work and go about our business. Ukrainians pay a high price for us to have these opportunities. And that's why I want to emphasize that the war for Ukraine is a struggle for peace in the whole world." Unquote. The day after the meeting, Johnson said he would introduce a bill for military aid for Israel only. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.